My name is Jay. And I am Bay. And this is episode 76. 76. Yes. Thank you everyone for joining us on this Thursday <laughs> night. Yes. We should definitely have our driver's license taken away at this point. 76, come on. Shoot, I should have had mine taken away a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um before we get into any nitty gritties i did want to do um a pretty uh pretty important correction if you don't mind oh yes we we have been corrected we got a little note from a fan which was much needed uh <laughs> we like to know 70- we have at least one listener <laughs> in our 75th episode uh my topic was leap years as to why we we have the leap year every four years and what what the deal is with that and i did mention that there was a wonderful film called leap year and it had amy adams in it so we were correct about that that part but i kept thinking that james mcavoy was also (laughs) in it and i mentioned his name at least four times potentially more than four and I kept calling it the James McAvoy film leap year, but we were corrected. It is in fact, an actor named Matthew Good, not James McAvoy in that film. So if uh, I do apologize for making that uh, crazy assumption, I think it's just because like, I'm pretty sure he's either Scottish or Irish. So I just like assumed it was him. Yeah. I don't know why in my mind it was definitely him oh he's, which is uh, funny Matthew, because he's an English actor oh you were talking yes. about James McAvoy I'm sorry. yes McAvoy yes so like I thought like James McAvoy Ireland that makes sense must be him is kind of like what I thought and they both have brown hair so I kind of just like <laughs> took that leap uh they don't get look it? anything get alike. it leap <laughs> <laughs> oh that was unintentional I promise I know um, those are the best but yes it's not James McAvoy it is in fact the actor Matthew Good and uh, I do apologize and he was the star of Chasing Liberty with Mandy Moore remember that movie oh really that was him and he was in Downton Abbey for those of your fan who are fans yeah I've seen him in um he's in a movie with uh I shouldn't do this anymore. Nicole Kidman and uh, <laughs> called Stoker. Oh yeah, and yeah. That was and kind of like an indie movie that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So he was one of the main characters in that. So I've definitely seen him before. They don't they don't look anything like. They don't even sound the same. But it was kind of funny because right after I did see, like you know, one of those like Buzzfeed lists kind of thing of like thirteen actors who openly admitted to hating the film they were in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he, he was one of them? He was in that film. And, and apparently, I guess he did say that he, he, a part of the reason why you took the job was so that he could go home on the weekends. So he was, the, he was the one who lived close by, not- He lived place. close enough that he could go home on the weekends. So yes. So that was I a mean, big plus I mean, it's, it's all about the commute sometimes, you know? It is. It is. That's you a gotta, big factor for really me. really take that into account. Absolutely absolutely um, so um speaking yeah, of the leap not year, james mcavoy <laughs> yeah speaking of the leap year topic i was scrolling through facebook today and one of my friends from hockey got married on the leap year in um 2020 oh no yeah well i mean they did it on purpose <laughs> but i mean um but i thought it was cool she i i in her comments or on on her status she wrote that um they uh they had um the guests at each table of their wedding pick out um what year or what day their anniversary would be and each year they pick out a card and then they just you know they decide okay whatever the guests wrote like okay this will be our anniversary date so that was kind of nice they don't really have an official anniversary only every four years (laughs) (laughs) is that yeah i mean i guess like you don't have to do anything way to save money 
Oh, <laughs> they would not be getting off the hook that easily if it were me. <laughs> we are still celebrating, but, mm. but yeah, mm. I thought that was, I thought that was a cute, cute idea, you know, just get, the, yeah. get everyone involved and just they must not be Italian way. because uh, they would disagree yeah on, on that but yeah I definitely think that it's it I like stuff like that though personally I think it's kind of fun yeah I just like unique things like that. exactly uniqueness that's that's the word I'm looking for <laughs> but yeah yeah I think I think it's my turn to go yeah. first but before I go first I we did have an email that has been ignored for for um quite some time oh um and that is my fault uh, we keep getting these weird emails. Well, no, they're not weird. They're like um, promotional emails for Embark, which is like a dog DNA company. Uh-huh. And like, I cannot tell you how many emails the the part I don't get Gmail has gotten. <laughs> Embark. And I'm just like scrolling through. <laughs> it's nuts. Okay. So I just really wanted to quickly answer this, which I should have totally answered this last week because it did have to do with last week's topic too. So from Corinne, she asked, the part I don't get is time. How did the whole world get the same time system? How did we all agree on the 24-hour day, 24-hour system? Good question. So it directly ties into last week's episode saying that it's because the Earth's revolution around the sun. The earth must rotate approximately 361 degrees to mark one solar day. So it's not quite 24 hours as it turns out. It's more like 23 hours and 56 minutes. (laughs) Uh, But because earth is constantly moving along its orbit around the sun, a different point on the planet faces the sun directly at the end of that 360 degree spin. So it's basic, it's just science. You know, wait, so sorry, the 24 hours is just how long it, it takes. takes the sun's revolution around the sun. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the earth's Earth revolution, revolution around, around the sun. sun. Excuse me. I'm and getting then, my planets and suns mixed wait, up. Wait, but then what takes 300? <laughs> what takes 365 days? That's a year. But I mean, what hap- like what happens in the year well like- i so like the earth is moving is circling right yeah the earth is rotating yeah okay it's moving it's spinning it's spinning it's spinning but then at the same time it's also spinning around the okay. sun okay so 24 hours so it's like a double spin situation spin mm-hmm. on its axis. the big spot the big spin okay is a year okay. the that little always spin gets me <laughs> that one always gets me i'm like wait there's there's so many things going on. There's a lot of spins happening. Yeah. Uh, and I, and the people would get mad at me for saying spin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Revolution. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, or rotation, uh, you know, so yeah, at the earth rotates, you know, 361 degrees and that, you know, sh- you know, as the earth is rotating, the different parts of the earth are facing the sun. Therefore it's daytime. Mm-hmm. And then the areas on the other side are dark, therefore it's nighttime. Okay. So it Makes takes, sense. you know, depending upon where you are on the earth, about 23 hours and 56 minutes for it to do that one whole time. And then it takes 365 days to go all the way around right. the sun. So, yeah. And that is how, why we get seasons, of course, and our wonderful leap year every four years. So yeah, I definitely should have read this email last week. It would have been incredibly timely, no pun intended again. And uh, that's my bad, but that's the answer. So I hope that that helped helped somebody out. It sounds like we're going to have a new sponsor with Embark. So (laughs) looking forward to commercials. I know I have heard good things. I have heard good things about it. I'm not going to lie. I've never now, now let's not give them any free commercials just yet. Okay? <laughs> they got to pay for it. Yeah. Excuse me. Let's edit that out. All right. So I had a really hard time thinking of my topic this week, and this is actually something that's been on my list for a very long time, but I just didn't think it was all that exciting. And I, I, I really dug last week's episode. So I was trying to like keep going that same trajectory but I ended up picking this anyway. So buckle in, you get ready. Like I ended up picking this. 
buckle in or buckle up, strap in, get ready. Get the popcorn. Let's go for this ride. Okay. What you got? So have you ever heard of Centralia, Pennsylvania? Nope. Okay. So Centralia, Pennsylvania is a near ghost town. I don't, I think that's kind of an unnecessary added adage it's a ghost town in columbia (laughs) county pennsylvania i know it's a ghost town in columbia county pennsylvania united states of america uh so i looked up the oxford dictionary states that a ghost town it's a noun fyi just in case uh it's a deserted town with few or no remaining inhabitants if we use it in a sentence it's like a ghost town at weekends that's oh. the sentence. I don't know why. <laughs> I thought it was like a town that was like haunted. <laughs> well, I mean, it does sound like it is. But it yeah, does. And who sense. knows? Maybe it is. Dun, yeah, dun, maybe. Dun. Maybe it's. So maybe it's just a deserted city or abandoned city. Uh, and it can be a village, a town, a city. And it usually contains substantial visible remaining buildings and infrastructure, such as roads and things like that. So you can tell that it was once a booming town and now it is basically just at its bare bones so it is a ghost town so that was one of my wonderful uh, sources from the oxford dictionary i also got quite a bit from wikipedia and i went down your route you told me once that you like to listen and then type at the same time so i gave that a go and i looked up on youtube and found a documentary and it was called The Town That Was. And that was definitely filmed sometime in the 90s. <laughs> and I uh, scrolled down a very interesting rabbit hole of YouTube videos of a bunch of people who just are kind of like making themselves believe that their video is somehow unique as opposed to all the other 500 people that have visited this ghost town. And they're all like kind of adventurers, oh, you yeah. know, kind of like Trying look to at this abandoned town. Yes. <laughs> so that was, that was a good hour of my day so uh it's so centralia its population has declined from over a thousand people in 1980 to only five residents as of 2017 because a coal mining fire has been burning beneath this town which is approximately about 400 acres since 1962 So there has been an actual literal fire that has been burning underneath of this town for over 50 years. That sounds familiar. Maybe I have heard of it. It should be. (laughs) We've, (laughs) We've definitely heard of this before. So it's the least populated municipality in Pennsylvania. The Centralia coal deposits were largely overlooked before the construction of the Mine Run Railroad in 1854. In uh, 1842, Centralia's land was bought by the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company. And then the first two mines in Centralia opened in 1856. So according to numbers of federal census records, the town of Centralia reached its maximum population of 2,761 peeps in 1890. And at its peak, the town had seven churches, five hotels, 27 saloons. They actually said the word saloon. So I'm not quite sure what makes a saloon a saloon and a bar a bar, but they said saloon. 27 seems like kind of excessive. They're getting their for drink only on. that many people like 100 years ago. That's a hard job you know? being in the coal mines, you know? I know, but like 1890, 27. I mean, that's a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Seems high to me. What what was the population again? 2,761 in 1890. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of food for per capita. (laughs) That's what I'm saying per capita. Exactly. Uh, So they had two theaters too. I bet you they were rival theaters like Starbucks that are across the street from each other. Yeah. I bet you that's kind of the deal that they had there. They had a bank, a post office. One bank, 14... but 27 saloons. <laughs> I know. Just well, one they bank. didn't need to deposit, you know, because oh. they were losing. Yeah. Losing at the tables, you know, you know, the poker tables. 
you know, like the little piano player. Oh, yeah. So uh, 14 general and grocery stores as well. So there are more saloons than grocery stores. <laughs> I just want to be very clear about that. So we're just getting a picture of in 1890. <laughs> Centralia, Pennsylvania. So definitely heart of coal country. So coal mining continued in Centralia until the 1960s. And that's when most of the companies shut down. And then something called bootleg mining continued until 1982. And I was going to research that, but ran out of time. Uh, but I think we can all kind of imagine what bootleg mining is. Uh, probably not on the up and up. So in the last 200 some years, this one person in the documentary said that there were more miners killed in 200 years in Pennsylvania alone than in the Vietnam War. Oh that if a miner worked, let's say 40 years, they had a one in 10 chance of dying on the job. And they think that these dangerous jobs led to the type of culture that's there and having like tight knit small communities, because like you never knew when someone was gonna, you know, not make it kind of thing. Yeah. So you, so, you know, supporting one another, which is nice. That's nice. <clears throat> so it kind of makes you, it brings you back to, um, you know, district, uh, district 12 there. Yeah. Remember like the, the coal was the, was the thing yeah. in uh, the hunger games and they had that big devastating, I can't remember what it was. It was like a collapse, I think, or a yeah, yeah. explosion. So all of these, these booming 27 saloons and everything, you know, all of this, you know, took a turn when the Centralia mine fire started. So analysts disagree about the specific cause of the Centralia fire, but I think it's pretty darn clear what caused it considering the details. Uh, most have concluded that it started with an attempt to clean up the town landfill, sometimes also called the dump. And they yearly, so annually, they would hire the fire department to do what is called a controlled burn. So they would purposefully set a fire, but it would be, you know, monitored at, with the idea of it going out, of course. And they would do this every year at the, the garbage pit dump or landfill, whichever word you prefer. And they would do this before Memorial Day in May because of the close proximity that the, uh, the dump had to the Odd Fellows Cemetery. So I, I didn't think, maybe they thought, you know, let's not look at this trash over here while we're celebrating the lives of these fallen, you know, <laughs> veterans. So, you know, they thought, you know, conflict there. So let's get rid of the, the trash. Burn it. Uh, you know, so the best way of doing that, they, they figured was to burn it, which is definitely a thing. I mean, like my dad used to burn our trash once upon a time. Uh, so people do do that, but this garbage dump was also located in an abandoned strip mine, which of course was very closely connected to all the other abandoned mine shafts and that led to the fire. Did so, they know about the abandoned mines? Oh yeah. Oh, and it, it just didn't, they like... just didn't think that this was going to happen. Yeah. So they weren't directly connected, but they were close enough. And, you know, essentially the, the, the abandoned mines fed the fire with a lot of oxygen and it's like the veins in, in your body. So it's like, just like this giant maze of areas where the fire could eventually go, yeah. you know, and it just one led to another went, led to another and it just got out of hand and it's still going today. Wow. So uh, some people argue that the fire started the day before, as if it matters, you know, when a trash hauler dumped hot ash or coal discarded from coal burners into the open trash pit. So who knows, maybe both happened and then it just got really, really hot. So the borough, they, they call it a borough instead of a town. The borough by law was responsible for installing a fire resistant clay barrier between each layer of the landfill but they fell behind schedule, uh, you know, leaving the barrier incomplete. This allowed the hot coals to penetrate the vein of coal that was underneath of the pit and start the subsequent subterranean fire that is still going today. 
So they noticed that the fire had not gone out when they started to see all this steam coming out the sides of the, the pit. And they knew, okay, the fire has gotten into the mines. So they have in Pennsylvania, there's apparently two types of coal. Didn't know that. Learned something here. In Pennsylvania, they have something called anthracite coal and it's incredibly dense and it's the oldest type of coal. It's 300 million years old and 90% of all anthracite coal comes from that area in Pennsylvania. And once anthracite starts to burn, it stays hot and mm-hmm. it burns long and hot. And it's like, Just for, it's incredibly forever. combustible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's forever, crazy. exactly. Forever. So, <laughs> so the people underestimated how hot and how dangerous the fire was gonna get. Although there were physical visible evidence of the fire, residents of Centralia were like really divided over whether or not it was going to threaten the town because, you know, the cemetery and and the garbage pit, they were on the outskirts of town, right? So they were like, oh, we're cool over here. And in the documentary, I read like the mayor himself was like, he said like, you know, that fire could have been put out two weeks after it was lit. And <laughs> someone, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what he said. And someone who still lived there was interviewed. He was, he was one of the only few residents at the time in the nineties. And they were following him around for this documentary. Like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, he said that, you know, they could have just dug a trench that was ahead of the fire all the way down into the ground to cut off Uh, And then like remove the coal that was ahead of the fire. And then that would have cut off the fuel supply for the fire. And then the fire would have just burned itself out, but they didn't do that. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it in time. So, uh, so there were times where they were within like days of putting out the fire, but because of bureaucracy and things like that, they would run out of money and they wouldn't be able to complete any of the, the saving efforts to try and put this fire out. It's going to this the one guy. Seven saloons. <laughs> oh my God, I know. This one guy who's the author of Centralia Images of America, uh, Dr. Derek Johnson, he said, quote, uh, they were within days of putting out the fire. Because of the bureaucracy, they ran out of money. They had to open up up to bids, then three months goes by, the fire spreads, and they don't have a viable way to put it out after that, end quote. So that's, that's very disheartening. If I were a member of Centralia, I'd be pretty, pretty PO. Yeah, it sounds if like it was, they just like gave up. <laughs> if it was a matter of, well, they just didn't have the funds. They just literally didn't have the money yeah. to, to do anything. So then you have to wait. And then of course that fire gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so it sounded like time was definitely of the essence. And if, if it wasn't controlled in the very, very beginning, it was kind of- I'm surprised they couldn't get help oh, well. from like nearby- towns or cities i don't know if they were so i got the impression that um there there was just no help to be had and this one woman kept saying she's like you know we would always say you know someone's gonna have to die in here in order for them to come in and help us and that almost actually did happen so in 1979 the locals started getting more worried and more aware of the scale of the problem when things like for example there was a gas station and a major fire hazard, let's just say, uh, the then mayor, John Coddington, inserted a dipstick into one of his underground tanks to check the fuel level. And then when he withdrew it, it seemed very hot. And the thermometer in the tank on a string, he pulled it out and the temperature was 172 degrees. Uh-oh. So it just like in the tank. So very, very dangerous. But then people really started to care in the 80s. In 1981, a 12-year-old named Todd Domboski, he fell into a sinkhole. He oh saw like the steam and he went closer to see like, oh, is that, is that like the, because like you would all around Centralia, you would see steam at this point in the 80s coming just straight out of the ground all, all over the place. And so, and oftentimes you would even, it would be like, you could see the actual flames. You could see like blue um, hues, which was like the gas being burnt off. 
So you would see lots of evidence of the fire from just walking around the edges of town. So this 12 year old kind of went by near one of those. And then he fell into a sinkhole that was four feet wide mm-hmm. and 150 feet deep. And he held on to like these roots apparently. And his cousin who was 14 years old, pulled him out of the hole and saved his life. Okay. So when that happened, like the news was alerted and people were, you know, very concerned. And that's when the state and more like governing officials got involved and they're like, well, this is a problem. You know, I mean, if, if he had died, it would have looked very badly on them for not coming in with aid, obviously. So the plume of hot steam coming from that sinkhole was tested and found to contain, of course, a lethal level of carbon monoxide. And at this time, people would have carbon monoxide monitors just in their home. But one of the women in the documentary said that there weren't enough carbon monoxide detectors. And I'm, I'm assuming that they were buying them themselves at this point. And they would have to share them. So like, I'll have it on Tuesday, you have it on Wednesday. Yeah. And so they would have to share them to see if they had lethal levels of carbon monoxide in their own homes. And then some people actually resorted to the old fashioned mining solution of having canaries in their house. So if the canary dies, you know, there's carbon monoxide in your home is essentially what they used to do in mines. So they were also saying that in some homes, they put the carbon monoxide detector in there. And then like within minutes, it would be reading off the scale because the levels were so high in a lot of the houses. Oh so God. that's why a lot of people left. In 1983, the U.S. Congress finally allocated more than $42 million to relocate the people in Centralia. And nearly all of the residents accepted the government's buyout offers more than a thousand people moved out of the town and 500 structures were demolished. So as soon as they would move, oh. they would just bulldoze the crap oh, out of everything. So and I'm assuming they did that just for safety. Like they didn't want those things to cave in or catch yeah. on fire. That's it's like the best guess that I and cheaper that, I mean, I would think like it would be easier to just leave it yeah, and like true. not worry about it, but maybe they just didn't want people to come back. So that's why they bulldoze it. So you couldn't even go back and see your old home or anything. It was all gone. So at this time, the fire in the, in the eighties had broken through a barrier that people believed that would keep the fire away from the town or from getting into the town. So people were getting more and more worried. And then Centralia was very, very divided because half the people really wanted to move. They were like, give me that money. I'm going to move. And they thought it was very dangerous and they were very willing to accept that money to relocate. And then other people, uh, they wanted that money to, to be given to the town to save it so that they could just stay in their homes. And mm, there, yeah, in reality, sense. there weren't really a whole lot of options. If they were going to stay, that money would have to be put towards building a giant trench that would essentially go down the center of Centralia anyway and that would have caused some relocation in the end so that's the opposite of what they wanted and that's why they stayed in the town they were trying to avoid the idea of moving so there was kind of like a lose-lose situation so people started fighting with each other and tensions were very high and there were even death threats towards each other because people were pissed when their neighbors were going to leave and, you know, people are very passionate about staying versus leaving. Yeah, that's a hard decision to make, I'm sure. I think it is, yes. But of course, the trenching options, that would have cost hundreds of millions of dollars. So therefore, there was a lot more effort put in towards the 42 million of just relocating them. So the, the government saved a lot of money just by relocating them instead of fixing the problem. Right. So we don't know what would have happened if they would have just fixed that problem. Who knows? So there's this highway, this Route 61, which is this main highway through through Centralia. And the path of the fire ran directly underneath of it. And it got so dangerous that you like literally couldn't see when you were passing through that area because the steam was so dense. And then 
it started moving the ground and um, things were cracking and caving in. And then like the highway was getting these big trenches in it just naturally because everything underneath of it was on fire. So instead of just constantly rebuilding it, they ended up closing down the actual highway because it buckled so badly and had been pretty much destroyed too many times. And uh, they tried, you know, using non-combustible materials to stop the fire there to save the highway, but it, they just gave up. And so then they just rerouted all the traffic and closed down the highway. So in 1990, there were 63 remaining residents. In 1992, the governor, Bob Casey, he invoked eminent domain on all the property in the borough, condemning all the buildings that were there and a legal effort. Oh, did he have a reason so, or he just, well, they were saying like, it's dangerous. You can't stay here. You're going to die oh, because, because of, the, of and stuff. Yeah. the carbon monoxide fumes and the sinkholes and then just like potential structural damage and, uh, just the fire, you know? And so the residents tried to overturn the action, but of course they failed. So all of that property was owned by the government. And this, during this documentary, the guy is like, my house is totally owned by the government, but I still live here. <laughs> He's like, I don't <laughs> know. He's like, I don't own anything except for the clothes on my back and the furniture in my house. And he said like that they could legally just remove them. But yeah. in the documentary, he said he didn't think that they were doing that because a lot of the residents were really old. Yeah, that would and, be really bad press if they physically. And that is exactly what people. he said. Yeah. So in, in 2002, the U.S. Postal Service discontinued Centralia's zip code completely. So 17927 no longer in use. And in 2002, only 16 homes were then standing uh, by, oh, I'm sorry, by 2006. And then it went down to 11 homes in 2009. And that's when Governor Rendell, Rendell, Rendell began the formal eviction of the remaining residents. So that's when they were like, okay, we're not going to let you live here any longer. We're going to make you move. And then now only five homes remain in 2010. Or I'm sorry, in 2010, it went down to five. So, <laughs> you know, they didn't want to leave. And they wanted them to leave. So they were at an impasse, shall we say. And the state and local officials finally reached an agreement with the seven remaining residents on October 29th, 2013, that said that they could remain in Centralia until they died. And then once they died, their houses would be taken from them completely through eminent domain. And so what if they have I, like kids or something? Or I guess they're... It there wouldn't be go. theirs. It would not go to them. No. So I just, just in case I Googled eminent domain and it's um, when national government takes private property for public use. So it's, it's government property after that. So no one oh, okay. would own it anymore. So they, the only indications of the fire pretty much now are those occasional smoke and steam coming out of the grounds. And there's lots and lots of signs saying like danger, no trespassing and things like that. The, from what I saw on YouTube, the things that are like pristine, there are two cemeteries and they are like completely 100% kept up. Like they are, they look like a cemetery that we could see like down the street. So that's something that they, someone locally takes care of. And then they have this really beautiful church. That's just totally pristine and as all these signs this is like you can't go in this is only for parishioners for i guess those like seven people who just really really need to go to church so have you uh, have you ever heard of the video game and or movie silent hill yes i unfortunately so saw the movie i think we walked out uh, i wish i had uh that that is a two-hour part of my life that i can never get back and uh, so Silent Hill is a survival horror series video game. And then it was, of course, turned into a movie and there's even comics. There are several versions of this game and it's all based on Centralia, apparently. And the video game came out in 1999. That movie 
that came out in 2006 and it had Roda Mitchell and Sean Bean in it. I remember my brother and I went to go see it. And the fact that my brother and I as young adults chose independently to go to that theater and see that by ourselves just indicates how bored we were. And, and, and I didn't feel any better when I left. So yeah, it's got all these like monsters and demons and stuff. Interesting. So that highway then became known as graffiti highway and it was quite something it spanned for almost a mile and you know it's completely closed off so there's no cars going down this thing right and it reached like a cold status in the 2000s and after so many years of disuse it was like imagine an entire mile of road um you know four lanes of traffic completely 100% covered in graffiti. It was really interesting looking and, and, and kind of beautiful too, because it's completely surrounded by woods and nature. And it was kind of a tourist attraction. People would like ride their ATVs and stuff on it. But recently they dumped a bunch of dirt mounds all over it in like 2020 they decided that they wanted to cover it and so that you know no one can appreciate this beautiful what pennsylvanians came to be said were was the sixth most popular tourist attraction (laughs) in uh in pennsylvania i mean like when you look at the pictures it's really cool it's really really cool Yeah. yeah in the summer of 2020 they decided to uh to cover to cover it yeah it's not i looked it up it's not too far from my my dad so i might have to check it out next time i give him a visit you know but now i don't even know what it would really look i've seen like the pictures it's it's really odd it's almost like like imagine like a giant ant hill and like hundreds of them all over this highway oh so it doesn't even really look all that great anymore so, so all the houses and buildings are completely gone except for like those five yeah and they were row homes too so what they would do is they would they would bulldoze they kind of like imagine like a duplex so usually you need the two sides for to stand and stay up so they would just knock down one of the homes and then the government paid to reinforce the home that was left behind and then after all that they were like okay you need to leave so is interesting but yeah so no more graffiti highway and no more no more centralia Mm. and and that's that's pretty much it r.i.p well (laughs) (laughs) man that's a that's at least most of the graffiti was good you know you know there's going to be people who are putting in some unfortunate phallic symbols and things like that but yeah some like you know pac-mans and turtles and stuff pretty cool yeah well thank you that was that was really interesting I'd, that'd be a good topic to you know to cover other ghost towns too because i'm sure there's plenty more than i've thought about, about that too i've really thought about that but i googled it and a lot of them are just when businesses go out like like gold like when the gold rush and stuff or like when the uh, railroad would move and then i was like womp womp you know <laughs> but this one has like a real life fire yeah that's i'm surprised they haven't done anything about that or i don't know if they can i don't know then even had to close down a neighboring town because it spread to them too yeah like what if a fire kind of randomly is set off i mean like that could invoke a a huge like forest fire i would think but i don't know who knows but um, hopefully they are monitoring the situation. Yes, I, I'm trusting they are and find out if they aren't. <laughs> um, so my, to- oh, sorry, I'm assuming you were, you were. Oh, I am complete. I am complete. <laughs> uh, you so- complete me. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my topic, um, my, I, my husband actually told me about this. I had no idea. Um, did you know that they have, uh, baseball teams in prison and that there was once a team that um, played to get time off their sentence and to avoid the death penalty. 
Oh, that's interesting. That reminds me of that movie. Wasn't there like that movie like Leatherheads with like George Clooney and John Krasinski? Was that? No, that, that was about that football, but I don't know if it was about, I don't know, about prison. I don't but. know. There, there's definitely a movie that's oh, kind of like I, that. I was thinking, I was like, this would be a great movie, but I, I, yeah. I think there might be. I could be wrong. I just remember there was one with like, with like, I feel like car racing or something. <laughs> Were they race like, death race? Yes. Okay. I'm not, I'm not making that up. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Leatherheads had nothing to do with prison now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. I'm sorry. But yes, death race is probably a very good comparison. That was the only thing I could think of. I was like, wow. Um, it was like a futuristic car chase yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, so my sources are a New York Post article. Um, called the death row inmates forced to play baseball for their lives by larry oh my god and um an article on a um called baseball behind bars by Catherine adrians um so we'll take you back to 1911 in rollins wow. wyoming um more specifically the wyoming state penitentiary um a uh, new um so they, they were going by a very poor uh, system that was very, um, uh, what, what's the word, a very, uh, you know, I mean, for our standards today would be absolutely inhumane, but even, you know, at the time was, was unacceptable. Basically, um, the, they were, the prisoners were getting very little to eat. They basically rationed it out so they got like just enough to to not starve and so finally, oh, great um you know the system was banned and um big horn county sheriff uh <laughs> felix alston was promoted to the new warden and he decided to institute um kind of like a rehab program uh including exercise a road building okay. program and a baseball team so um america's pastime Yes. And um, so then the Washington, I'm sorry, the Wyoming State Penitentiary, also Washington, <laughs> Washington National. No, uh, the um, the Washington. Oh, my God. The Wyoming State Penitentiary All-Stars played their first game on July 18th, 1911. And they had a 12 man roster um, featuring three rapists, one forger. <gasps> Five thieves and three killers. Wait, five what? (laughs) Thieves? Five thieves, yeah, or five. Nice. Den of thieves Five people who have committed thievery. Thievery. Okay. (laughs) Theft. Uh, And now it's more specific, you know, theft less than a thousand, theft more than, you know, 500, whatever. Okay. (laughs) Grand Um, larceny, you know, I got it. Yeah, yeah. So... It was led by uh, George Parrott, who um, killed two deputy sheriffs during an attempted train robbery. Wow. Okay. I can see why this hasn't been made into a movie. Yeah. It would be kind of hard. Characters are not exactly um, relatable or likable. (laughs) You know, unless you can really just put that stuff in the back of your head, you really got to compartmentalize. Um, so, um, so their first game was played, like I said, July 18th against the Wyoming supply company, I'm sorry, the Wyoming supply company juniors, um, they beat, um, the juniors 11 to one. So So this is just like a random team for like a company. Okay. Yeah. So back in this time period, there are a lot of like businesses and little mm-hmm. like kind of rec teams around the town. And so, um, you know. Th- like a they, league of their own, you know, they were yeah. supported by the candy company. Yeah. People just loved playing baseball. They loved watching it. And I was telling my mom about this topic before our, um, our recording. And she was saying, well, maybe we can get tickets to one of these games because um, I don't know if you know, but major league baseball is on strike right now. <laughs> I did not know. Yeah. So we wow. don't know what's going on with the baseball and my mom's going to need her fix. So I'm going to have to look into tickets. <laughs> well, 
maybe old reruns <laughs> you know on the tv i know I don't, I, that probably won't cut it there's a certain feeling you get from being there from being you know? in the physical yeah i get that there's hot dogs and <laughs> what about like college or high school yeah teams? yeah yeah oh there are certainly you know other um <laughs> avenues yes other to get your hot dogs and over maybe priced a, diet maybe, cokes you know a little league game <laughs> <laughs> that, that wouldn't be creepy at all i know that wouldn't be creepy at all like, no who's no, your kid no. oh none of them would not be borderline inappropriate yeah, we Absolutely don't know any not. of them we're just here for the game <laughs> <laughs> for the um, love of the game yes the love of the game so yes they 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 beat the uh wyoming supply company juniors 11 to 1 um one of their star players was joseph sang who was a um convicted killer of his lover's husband so he was with a woman the woman was married and having an affair with joseph and joseph decided to take care of the husband um and he was on uh, death row. Um, so in the first game, he scored two home runs and including one grand slam, which for those of you who don't know baseball, that means bases are loaded. Um, and the person gets a home run. And so they automatically get four runs. So little knowledge dropped on you there. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Yes. And I just, yeah. <laughs> Dropping so, um, knowledge. <laughs> And so the Washington Post even covered the game. Um, and they are you sure it wasn't the Wyoming Post? No, this is actually the Washington <laughs> Post. It made, it made national headlines. And their article was called Slayer Scores Home Runs. Oh <laughs> my God. God. Um, but you know, let's have some tact here. <laughs> Granted, this is 1911, but still. But still, <laughs> I mean, like. The freaking milking cow that lived on like the White House grounds was big news back then. I mean, I think we can, I think we can curtail some of the. I'm know. I'm disappointed there wasn't some sort of pun, you know, like that's true. Like, uh, you know, like hetero inmates slays <laughs> more than just slays the bases. <laughs> um, so Joseph is. Like I said, on death row, he is set to be hanged August 22nd, but oh. as luck would have it, he's still conveniently game, uh, alive for his game on August 29th. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, I got the wrong team captain. George Parrott was just <laughs> one of How the- How dare you? George Parrott was just one of the players. George okay. Saban was the team captain. He was sentenced to 20 years for killing three sheep herders in their sleep oh. um, due to a dispute between um, uh, between him. He was a cattle ranch rancher and he they were disputing territory um, with the sheep herders. And apparently this was a very common thing at this time for the sheep herders and the um the cattle ranchers to battle for <laughs> for land and a lot of people actually felt that he was justified in his actions wow. um so they kind of i guess sympathized with him he was kind of he was popular uh you know with um many of the people that um you know watched the the sport and he just happened to be best friends with um, Alston, the the new warden. So that's a pretty good place to be. And <laughs> and Alston actually arrest was the arresting officer at the time of George George Saban's arrest. So um, needless to say, he was given special privileges. Um, and then so he was actually able to kind of come and go from the prison. Um, as he yeah. and wear normal clothes and um, he would actually take bets on the game um, on his own baseball games that he was in. And he would take a 20% commission for winning the bets. He would give everyone, you know, inside information. Um, he, um, you know, he would kind of give in, inside information about the other teams um, and the team that, 
the whole team was told that if they mess up or if they make errors, um, that would add time to their sentence. And then winning, uh. um, winning would equal either reduced time or like a, you know, what they call like a stay of your execution. Yeah. Um, however, this was told, this was what George Saban told the team. Um, and we don't really know if this like was a real, um, like, you know, it wasn't something that was actually put into place. It was just kind of like, you know, under, under the radar type thing, like, um, you know, word of mouth. Like it wasn't like, obviously this was totally illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, and so more and more people, (laughs) yeah, more and more people are getting in on this, um, gambling thing. So obviously becomes very popular and there's a lot of rumors going around that, people um, working in the prison and even the governor is like involved. Um, So they, the Wyoming state penitentiary all-stars play a total of four games. Uh, They do win all of them. Um, In fact, I think all of them, they win by like 11 or they 11 to like one or 11 to two or something like that. Um, But uh, by the fourth game, Governor Kerry has now instituted a statewide crackdown on gambling, I think because, you know, it's getting out that he might be in on it. So he's like, all right, I got I to gotta save my image here. And so by November, um, the whole baseball thing is out the window, and now they're working on a new education initiative. Um, however, uh, Warden Alston was actually looked very highly upon even by the the prisoners they um I read somewhere that they like gave him like a gold watch or something like to show their appreciation which was like I've never heard of that but okay (laughs) um so yes it was very short-lived in in this game or this team but um in 19 oh sorry going back to um joseph saying he was executed may 24th 1912 so he he got to you know stay alive a little longer but it also (laughs) oh my goodness he it also could have been like that they you know his lawyers appealed it like we don't really know yeah i i kind of think it was just like behind the curtain yeah i think it was just one of the things (laughs) where like putting pressure on people so that they would win because people wanted money um they wanted to win this their is bet. like real life hunger games again oh no, i was thinking the same thing i'm like can you imagine well, like, we, we could see see when you first mentioned it i thought like heartfelt you know like what most sports movies are yeah like the rookie invincible you know that kind of thing but this i could see death race yeah yeah pretty much yeah they could make a movie like that for sure yeah. But they would still be kind of hard to be related, relatable considering the crimes they had done previously. But yeah. I feel like maybe I could see it being like an HBO, like mini series, like maybe one or two series, you know, seasons. Um, definitely not one of those, like, like you said, Disney feel good movies. You yeah. Know? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So um, another really kind of gory uh but interesting fact is that back in this time, like um, skinning, hanging, and lynching were pretty much the usual punishment for, um, you know, convicted murderers. And uh-huh. the guy that I mentioned earlier, George Parrott, the one that killed the two deputy sheriffs, they um, sold his skin as like a souvenir and like made yep. out of it. Yep, I've oh. heard of that. Yeah. I've totally heard of that. That yeah. stuff is so disgusting. Yeah. Like, wow. Like there is so many times where like people would like their bodies would be like put on display and all kinds of gross stuff like back in the day, you know? Ugh. Nasty. Yeah. And just like what on earth? Um so anyway, um other um, you know states around the country started forming their own teams i don't know if it was because of wyoming's team but um we gotta get in on this yeah luckily (laughs) i don't think the others had the well i i don't 
think they had the gambling or the whole like, oh, your sentence is going to be reduced if you win type thing. But in 1914, um, Sing Sing Prison in Osening, New York, formed a baseball team as part of um, their warden's, um, his name was Warden Osborne, his mutual welfare uh, league rehab program that where he promotes self-governing um, through like doing different activities. And he thought baseball would be a great way of like people learning how to self-govern and, you know, play on a team. Um, which is, is so kind of trying to be like rehabilitation. Yeah. 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 Just so that I, yeah, I think it was also to kind of give them, um, a feeling of, um, you know, not being just a, a prisoner and having some, um, having something to do. Yeah. Something to do. And like a little bit of control of your, you know, self-sufficiency. Um, and interestingly enough, they actually played the Yankees with Babe Ruth. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, like, yeah, they came in and it was like, you know, it was kind of like a pu- publicity thing too. I'm um, sure. Yeah. Um, big shock, but they lost 17 to three. <laughs> but they yeah, see, for- that's what I'm thinking is like, they were good for inmates. Yeah. What would, what, how would they pan out against like, but I mean, the, you yeah. got three runs against the Yankees with Babe Ruth. Like I would be pretty proud of myself. Yes. Somehow I'm sure they didn't see it that way. <laughs> I'm just gonna take a quick guess here just a quick (laughs) guess here yeah there may have been some under the table bets going on there yeah but in the um in Atlanta there was a team formed uh in 1912 at the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary and um there was a, a pitcher named this is not politically correct anymore but his name was Black Maddie and he was um it was an, an homage to Chris Mathewson, who was a, a very good right-handed pitcher at the time. And Black Maddie won 15 games straight. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some guys in, in the prison that could, you know, they could, he could, they could hang yeah. with the, uh, with the people who play right. sports also commit crimes. This is true. Yeah. And when you're in jail, like you have nothing but time and, you know, That's they true. Go out to that, to that, you know, to the gym and remember to the uh, yard the yard excuse me <laughs> glad you could the uh, wreck area yeah i was i was gonna say yard and i was like is that right um, i mean this is 1910 so we don't yeah. know but know what it's it, called it, if you remember um the situation from jersey shore yes he he got quite um in shape from going to prison um i i still watch the <laughs> jersey shore family reunion unfortunately oh um, my really it's not what it was. You're committed. Yeah. Well, it's more my husband. I'm just, I'm just here oh, for okay. the ride. Okay. The sacrifice <laughs> I make. <laughs> Blame it on him. Go for it. Yeah. They're boring now. Like, you know, they, have they are. I mean, they're all married. They all have kids. Well, Come some on, of them are, the are on their pumping? second marriages, you know? Oh, nice. Wow is. As well game. as second restraining orders, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. But <laughs> although I, I will say um, Snooki can get, she can still get wasted my god I'm yes like, I, i've home? seen i've seen the highlight reel. i mean not to not to i'm obviously not trying to like mom shame or anything but i'm just like i'm it's like, like i'm actually kind of get tired yeah. yeah exactly yeah the stamina Whew. yeah but um oh and oh, where i i forgot to to finish the or to, in my notes but in california um since the 90s there has been um a team uh, two teams at one of the um, penitentiaries there and you have to like actually try out and everything and it's wow. like their own version of like major league baseball for prison. so this still happens they still play baseball yes yes um in, in some some prisons in some not yeah I, I don't think uh obviously the wyoming one didn't didn't last and i don't think the atlanta ones is still around okay um, but it does happen in some places Yes. And I, this was only for like the U S I didn't even, I didn't find any about other countries, but, um, yeah, I just, the idea of like having to play to decide your fate in your life is just, Oh, I know the outcome of what would happen to me. (laughs) If it's a physical game, (laughs) 
you know, might as well measure me for the coffin now because uh, <laughs> you'd be like, you can just skip me. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go to the. I'll, I'll be a bench warmer. I'll be over here. Thanks. <laughs> I can cheer. I can cheer. Yeah, I'll I'll take the stats. Yeah, like at my job, they're they're like you know getting people to sign up for like the spring softball league, and I'm like, next. Didn't you do that once? I did kickball. Yeah. I but bet I'm you not were gonna good. like, but a kickball is huge, you know, but a softball yeah. in comparison, and I'm oh, not kicking God, it, softball. I'm hitting it with a stick. Oh my god. You know? yeah. yeah, I made the mistake mm. of playing softball myself. Yeah. I think we lost every game. <laughs> every game. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was at uh the San Quentin State Prison is where the um, California team is. So, if you currently, want. yeah. So it's the San okay. Quentin Giants, and I think the I think the San Quentin A's, which makes sense because those are both professional um, MLB teams in California. Okay. Yes. So um, that's that's it for for my topic. Well, it's good. You had a short one because I took so long to say mine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that people took advantage and started gambling and, you know, that it became like a kind of a manipulation tactic. But it, it's oh, yeah. overall that it did develop into something, you know, something meaningful and hopefully therapeutic for people. Wow. I'm looking at these. Oh, okay. So the San Quentin Giants play in uniforms donated by MLB's San Francisco Giants. That's nice. Oh, they get their hand-me-downs. Hey, those are called jerseys and they're very expensive. So <laughs> <laughs> I would take a handy, handy, hand-me-down from a, a handy down. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an explicit episode. We're gonna have to. <laughs> Every episode let, is an explicit We're, we're going to have to let the yeah. kids know not to listen. Jenny's yeah. over here talking about handies. <laughs> <laughs> not the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I would like to hear from like an actual player before I, before I would say whether or not this is a good thing or not. Because, you know, who knows? Are they manipulating them still? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, because it has such a sordid history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the ones now it's like, you know, they're doing it for fun. Although I hope I'm so, sure yeah. it doesn't look bad at your parole hearing. They're like, yeah, they, they yeah. play on, you know, but you can play on a team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that, or if you're good, like, it's like, look, I have potential. I have skills. Potential. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Wow. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to my husband for the <laughs> topic. I was like, yes, got it. <laughs> he gives you a lot of good ones. I know. He just like it's good to have him, him around. Yeah, he just kind of drops them in there. I'm like, oh. just drops that knowledge. I swear, I have just a bunch of knowledge droppers. I have weeks where I just totally dry in terms of topics, and then other weeks they're just flying at me, and I'm like, I know, right? It's just so weird. I know, but then you research, and I'm like, eh. Oh yeah, I get a lot of ones that end up being duds, and I'm like, this still take two oh, seconds. I know. I was so excited until I opened that Wikipedia page. Damn it! I'm like, oh, there's one article written ever. <laughs> <laughs> Although a lots lot of, of times, facts coming from this one, yes. Yeah, a lot of times it's like the same article, but like rewritten by like five. Oh, it, I, I know mean, it's plagiarism, really. But <laughs> and, well, and then they'll be cited. They'll all cite the same <laughs> article. I'm like, yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah, there's the same thing. There's a whole book written about um the Wyoming. I don't know if it was just about the Wyoming team. I'm sure it was about other other things going on, but if I was a real podcaster, I would have read the book. <laughs> oh my goodness, who has time for that? Amen. You know, we're getting angry that other people aren't doing our job for us properly, giving us more <laughs> sources to cite. <laughs> yes. Although actually the book does sound kind of interesting. I might actually because we've got nothing but time, folks. Nothing yeah. but time. Yeah. Well, if I was a real podcaster, I would have gone to Centralia. 
Oh yeah. You know, <sighs> got me old trip. ATV out you know, <laughs> ridden down graffiti highway. I mean, there was like video of like moms and their kids just riding their bikes and stuff. So you know, like really? from, With, over yeah. like the firing coal. <laughs> well, now the highway, there's no, there's no more steam. Yeah. So it's just like, it just really looks like an abandoned graffiti highway, like legit. Mm. So, you know, I think it's fair to say that it has in parts probably died down, but it's probably still there. I wonder if they'll make it like a historic landmark or something. I don't know. I think that they're not interested in preserving anything. They're like, they are bulldozing the not shit out of this it. town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess when it's a safety thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was a good uh, that was a good go. Thank Check you. us out on uh, on Facebook and Instagram on this is the part I don't get and feel free to email us and I promise I'll check it more often now that I've unsubscribed us from Embark. Uh, <laughs> brought to you by Embark. <laughs> the part I don't get at gmail.com and we shall hit you back in another two weeks with another good two co- topics. Bye. Bye.